Good evening, all. So I walked into church this evening, and I could sense God's presence here. So I'm expectant that he will continue to speak to us. Already, he's been speaking to me through the worship, through our prayer time, and God is faithful. And when we reach out to him, he speaks to us for our own benefit, for the benefit of our wider community, for the world. So I pray that you share that expectancy with me. Um, It also means that I'm not quite sure where my sermon will go, partly because I spoke in the morning. Last time I was here, I didn't get to finish my sermon because I was carried off with a coughing fit. So um, that won't happen this evening. But this passage has got a lot in it. And I was also, I would say, if there's any time, um, if there's anything that you'd like to contribute to it or you'd like to kind of chip in while I'm speaking, please do. But also, if there's anything that really strikes you in the passage and you want to go to one side and pray or to pray with somebody or to just engage with God in whatever he's doing in your heart, then please do. So this is, it's a time we have together. It's a precious time. I have prepared, um, I've been praying that God will drop whatever is from me and really speak through me. But we know that God's word is alive. And um, so I pray that, and I will pray, on, uh, adding to what Jenny said, Lord, I pray that whatever is, uh, is from you will, will shine through and you will meet each one of us and speak to each one of us. And whatever is not from you, Lord, you will, you will let fall away. And Lord, we thank you that you're here with us, your presence is with us, and that you want to speak to us today as much as you spoke to your people when this psalm was written. Amen. So let's turn to Psalm 29. And uh, this morning was fantastic because we had a lot of noise accompanying this psalm with kids and with their instruments. Um, So... It won't be quite as exciting this evening, but the, uh, the psalm is exciting itself. So uh, I'll read it out. Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare, and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So this... Are we good? Okay, thank you. Um... So this is a psalm of David, and it's a psalm written um, thousands of years ago. And the images, it's a very evocative psalm. It's an image of a storm that's rising over the Mediterranean Sea, uh, that travels over the hills and the forests of Lebanon, and then lands in the desert. 
And you will see that it is, it's a, a psalm of uh, the world, in a way, turning upside down. So uh, the Medita- storms in the Mediterranean can get really choppy. And then the images of, uh, if you look in uh, verse 5, going over Lebanon, breaking the cedars, these majestic uh, uh, trees that were the strongest, tallest trees that people knew. And then landing in the desert and shaking the desert, twisting the oaks there and stripping the forests bare. This is sheer power. This is the power of nature that nobody can resist. That nobody in this time, nobody actually understood. They didn't have the science that we do. They wouldn't have understood weather, um, the weather patterns. Um, and they would, many people at this time, believed that uh, different weather events were due to gods uh, being angry, gods uh, fighting with each other, gods uh, who wanted to seek revenge or um, to punish the people who were living there. So they believed in gods of thunder, in gods of lightning. Um, they believed that this, uh, they, were, they had to just kind of second-guess what the gods were thinking and make the right sacrifices and do the right things so that the gods were happy. And the psalmist today, or the psalmist um, when he was writing, is wanting to show us uh, a very, very different god. And the psalm is split into three um, different parts, verses 1 to 2, then the, the middle bit, verses 3 to 9, and then 10 to 11. And uh, the middle, the kind of verses 3 to 9 is telling us, is really showing us how God is acting, showing us who God is. Then to, after that, the 10 and 11 is uh, much more showing um, kind of God's character, what God is saying. Um, and it's interesting because this morning when I was talking about it, I was said that it shows us kind of how God is acting, who God is, and then our response is worship. But actually, I'm going to slightly flip that round. It is still true, but if we look at verses 1 and 2, the psalmist actually starts with worship. And he starts with, so I guess I want to pull out a bit more than I did this morning, that he's, worship is not only our response to who God is, but worship in verses one and two is a choice that we make. And we came in today and we chose to worship God. We chose to worship God, whatever are, is going on in our life, whatever is going on in the world around. We chose to worship God um, because of who God is. So it starts saying, ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So this, this is a psalm when right from the start, David is standing in awe of God. He's standing before God, um, looking at his majesty, at his power and his splendor. And this is before David has described how God acts and who he is. It's a choice based on knowing God. Um, and it's a choice that David is making that he is going to worship God. And even this evening, I found that a a challenge that actually, for us, it's a choice to come to church. It's a choice in our daily lives. It's a choice when we're here to bring everything we have and to worship God for who he is, but to worship God in whatever situation we are. So that's kind of the start. It's, It's 
just recognising who this amazing God is. And then as the psalm goes through from verses 3 to 9, it is speaking, and this is where it fits in with our voice series, it's, it's, there's seven times it says, the voice of the Lord. Now interestingly, even though it's called the voice of the Lord thunders, it doesn't, it doesn't say the voice of the Lord thunders in the passage, which I realised kind of as I went through. The Lord, it, it talks about the Lord, the kind of the, um, the glory of God thunders, the Lord thunders. But we see throughout, and I'll read, um, you'll see throughout, and, and follow with me from verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters, for the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, verse 5. Verse 7, the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert. 9, the voice of the Lord twists the oaks. And so here we have um, the Lord speaking through nature. And psalms are poetry. Psalms aren't written to be taken literally. So it's not as if suddenly God is deciding to destroy bits of the world. But this is um, poetic language. It's a metaphor for understanding a God who not only rules over the lightning, the power, the thunder, um, and the storms, but is actually um, speaking through them. He is part of these events, and it's, it's understanding that all of these events that would have been seen as turning the world upside down for uh, the readers of the Psalms are actually uh, a sign of God's power over nature, a, God, a sign of God acting in his world, of his power and his majesty. And it's, it's amazing because it's saying, I'm, when I see it, uh, this, it's, it's that it's an uncontrollable God. It's a God we can't put in a box. It's a God who is uncontainable and he's just, he's in the world, but he's way above the world. We can't, above the world, we can't package him and kind of understand him and say these three points make us understand our God. And actually, if we look in verse 10, where it says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. So the image of the God, of God sitting enthroned over the flood takes us back to Genesis. It takes us back to the flood um, in Noah's time. And this is the God who is above everything that is happening. The God who is powerful, the God who is the ruler over our earth. Um, and it's a... Well, it's, it's a tricky image to cope with in some ways because this is not a tame God. This is not a cuddly God. This is not a kind of, um, this is not a God who only speaks to us in a still small voice, even though he does. And we'll hear about that next week, I think, from Kira. Um, and God speaks to us in many different ways. So part of the reason that this series is, is fantastic is because it helps us to expand how we will see and look around to see that God may well speak to us. Um, so it's not, in this case, it's not a gentle God. It's a God who has a powerful voice that no one can ignore. Um, and this is God who, if we look at the original translation, it's God, it says, um, the voice of the Lord. This is Yahweh. And if we look at how uh, at Yahweh in the Old Testament, we see God gradually introducing himself to Abraham through to Moses, 
And God starts to introduce himself by saying to Abraham, I'm the God, God Almighty, I saved you, I brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans. And then he to Moses, I am the God of Jacob, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac. And then um, in the burning bush, or in the bush that didn't burn, um, then he says to Moses, when Moses says, who, who are you? Who shall I tell the people that I've met? He says, I am who I am. And that is the Yahweh. And when it says the voice of the Lord, the Yahweh, I am who I am, it's the God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The completely dependable God. The God whose character does not change. The God whose love does not change. The God whose power does not change. So imagine the people who were hearing this psalm, who were kind of in their minds playing off these different gods who they couldn't predict what they thought, who may be happy one day or angry the next day, who may be wanting to bless them one day um, and then to curse them by withholding the rain or, or whatever. This is Yahweh who is dependable, who is the same as he was in the beginning when he created the world. He's been the same throughout and he will be the same forever the Yahweh who is dependable, who is unchangeable. And ten times it says the Lord in this psalm, emphasizing this, emphasizing the fact that we may see things completely changing around us. We may see, as they saw, storms that made them question everything. Or currently we may look and, I mean, COVID is something that has thrown up everything that we know about the world. And we have still many unanswered questions about why is it happening? Um, how is it able to impact some people, not the others? Or um, why on earth has God allowed this to happen? But within that, within those huge events, all the wars that we see, we can trust that God is unchangeable, even if we don't understand what is going on. In big situations, and then even applying it to ourselves, we may be in a situation where we're struggling um, in a relationship. We're struggling with a job. We're struggling at church. We are, um, we're struggling with health, all sorts of things. And actually, it doesn't mean our answers are question, our questions are necessarily answered straight away. But this psalm tells us that we can trust in an unchangeable God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So this is a God who is in charge of nature, who is powerful and who speaks through nature. And I think one of the things when I was reading this was a challenge to me that often when we see a storm, we wait for the rainbow. And we like it when a rainbow comes. We all look at a rainbow. We all love a rainbow because it's a reminder of God's promise, his faithfulness, that he will never destroy the world again. Uh, and also it's quite nice, it's calm and it's beautiful. But actually, I think this passage is telling us that in the midst of that storm, in the midst of the rain and the thunder, um, I think the challenge is to look at the God who is powerful and to be worshipping God in those moments, to be not thinking, this is really scary, let's wait till it's done, but actually, God is in this, this is our God who is acting all the time in the world. But then what is this, what's the voice of God saying? So it's fine to say the voice of God thunders, the voice of God shows us his power, his majesty, and we can respond in awe. But what is the voice of God saying? And here we can look in verse 11. It says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And I think it's amazing because blessing people with peace compared to the image that we've seen, it just seemed like such a contrast. 
But this is a powerful God who's ultimately is wanting to strengthen his people, to bless his people, to bring his people peace. And this we see in Jesus coming to earth. So this powerful God, the creator God who is in charge, um, sent his son to come to earth and to die to bring us peace. And this is such a contrast, again, with the other gods that people believed in, who were distant, who they couldn't understand, who they just couldn't, they couldn't predict. This is a God who humbled himself from his majesty and came to earth. And as we go to communion later, that's what we are remembering, the powerful God who came to bring us strength, to bring us peace, and to bless us. And through us to bless others, because when we're talking about the people of God, we come to God as individuals, but we come to God as God's people. He doesn't. He sees us. We're a community in Peckham Peckham here to bless each other and to bless those around us. So, the psalm is so clear that ending the Lord is here to bless His people with peace. And again, you may have come without peace this evening. You may have come with peace. But I think the invitation is to come to the Lord um, in worship and to come to the Lord asking him for blessing and asking him for peace. And no prayer is too big or too small. An example, um, I'll give you what may seem like a petty example of prayer in our house on Friday. My youngest daughter, Isla, she's seven. She went to bed devastated on Friday because she'd lost her ring that she'd spent her real money on. Um, and then she kind of started to admit that she'd taken out on a walk to the forest and maybe that's where she'd lost it and she hadn't put it where she's supposed to put her rings. So I said, well, let's pray. So I was preparing this. I thought, right, let's put this into action. Saturday morning, um, we were in our bedroom and then suddenly my other daughter, Afia, looked down and there was the ring on the floor. Now, I don't often pray like that. I don't often see results like that, but... It's not that God really cares about the ring, I don't think, but he really cares about Isla. He really wants to bless her and to show that he is real. And so we praise God then that actually we said we've got no idea how this has happened, but we prayed for it and we saw the ring. So that is a potentially trivial example, but shows that God is wanting to answer prayer. So you may well have much bigger examples that you're bringing in your lives, or when we pray about peace, and it can seem unfathomable, or when we pray about the future of our church or of our nation. But actually, the powerful God will answer those prayers and is wanting us to come to him in prayer and worship. And so finally, how will we respond today? And as I started saying that the psalm was um, starting with worship, but also towards the end, we see worship. And if we look at verse 9, after the psalmist has described the whole of the world turning upside down, he says, um, and in his temple all cry glory. And this is an image of heaven where everyone around God's throne is crying glory because of the majesty of God. And so the fitting response to seeing God's power, his majesty, his glory, is to worship him, is to come to him in worship. And worship is a response, but worship is also that place where we are transformed. 
It's giving God the glory. It's coming to God in awe. And if you think about, think about cathedrals, I grew up in Durham, in the northeast, a thousand-year-old cathedral, absolutely beautiful building. It's amazing how it was built. And built just to give glory to God for who he is. And that was a response of worship. And in there, you can kind of sense God's presence. But I think here the psalm is inviting us to come to God in worship, and it's inviting us to come to God in the confidence that this powerful God is wanting to bless us, to give us strength, and to bring us peace. So in our response, I think Jonathan Jonathan will come up, um, and we'll move into communion in a while. But I would invite you, if there's to respond where you are in worship um, or to, if you want to come up for prayer, um, but to bring anything that's on your heart from this passage um, and bring it to God, the almighty God, the powerful God who uh, is wanting to bless us and who is wanting to bring us peace.